Boom, boom. Okay. Okay. This is Bridges for Music. In this episode, we bring you the workshop with Luciano and Vinnie Da Vinci, recorded at one of the very first workshop Bridges for Music held in the townships of Langa, Cape Town. More precisely, at an Ethiopian church right across from where we ended up building the Bridges Academy. Luciano agreed straight away to do this tour in South Africa with Bridges for Music because he had always had passion for the South African music scene, but he only had one condition. He would play for free, but all shows had to be in the township, so anyone who wanted to see him had to join him there. Together with him, South Africa's house music legend, Vinnie Da Vinci. Please enjoy this talk hosted by Richard Rumney from the Red Bull Studios. My name is Richard Rumney. I'm the manager of the Red Bull Studio Caton. And I'd like to introduce Valentino, uh, the man behind Bridges for Music, who's going to introduce Bridges Thanks, for Music Richard. for you. Yeah, hello. Welcome, everybody. Uh, one more time here in Langa. Uh, this is our third workshop. We started one month and a half ago with Richie Hoden. We did a second one with Skrillex. And I think both experiences were a pretty mind-blowing experience for everyone, and especially for the artists themselves. You know, I, I really want to tell you a bit about of the feedback we got from Richie Hoden from his last uh, workshop here. He went back deeply touched. He really loved the experience and he was really impressed by the music culture and how this community welcomed him. So I think it's, uh, ha it has been a very, very positive experience for everyone and we are really looking forward for this new experience with uh, Luciano. I have to say that this is possible thanks to the confidence of all these big DJs that are trusting and are willing to commit with this initiative. Of course, of all the partners that are supporting uh, the local scene. And it's pretty impressive that, Richie, uh, that uh, Luciano has made all his way from Miami, has flight for 25 hours to be here, and is only doing actually this show and the show we had last night in Soweto. So that's uh, pretty uh, impressive, and I want to thank Luciano for committing to this. So I, I wish you all a great experience here. We are going to carry on with a really nice party where Luciano is going to play himself alongside other local artists and Vinny Da Vinci, who has also joined us today. Please, a big applause for him as well. And I have to say that Bridges for Music, although I'm speaking here, it's a, it's a project run by a lot of people, people even overseas supporting this project all the partners that are supporting the electronic music scene, and also local people that are embracing this project, local, promoter, local promoters, uh, the people at S Shadow Works who have done an amazing work here, Kilowatt, and all the partners that are helping to produce this big uh, event. So big applause for them, please. So I'm gonna just ask Luciano, who is we are waiting for. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for Valentino Bridges for Music. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, a, of course, an experience, and I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Can I also, uh, in uh, Vinny, are you joining us? Or? Come on. 
Um, what's up? You guys are sleeping. What's going on? Eh? <laughs> uh, my name is Vinny Da Vinci, uh, DJ, producer. Also have a radio show on Metro FM. So check me out every Friday night between 10 and 1 o'clock. I've got to do this. Yeah? Some people don't even listen to radio here, so I've got to do this, you know? You do, so yeah, you do. thanks for having me here as well. Thanks to Bridges, um, Valentino. And uh, yeah, I just met Luciano today. Super guy, man. Look at him. <laughs> so yeah, let's kick this. Let's do it. So uh, first question to both of you, uh, as I did with Ready D, is how did you guys get into music and where did you guys get into music? Uh, what, what towns did you start to discover your musical passion in? Um, oh. Look, personally, for me, I mean, in my household, I mean, I'm a Pretoria guy, you know, I come from Pretoria. So in my household, there was just music, you know, day in, day out, all the time. So I think I, you know, caught the bug then, you know. And, um, you know, getting into the industry and the, the DJing part of it, um, as I was growing up at school, you know, I used to record music on radio, on tapes. And then, you know, usually we had school functions where we had a party after the school function. And I was the designated DJ, you know, playing off tapes. So, and, you know, I was just doing it for fun back then. So, yeah, I guess that's where it comes from, definitely for me. Mm. So me, it's like, um, it's a different part. I'm from, I was grown up in, in South America and I started music also in a young age. My, my father used to fix jukeboxes, so there was always a lot of records at home. My mother also always uh, used to listen to music and, and things like this, but there was no musician at home. And exactly like you did, I started also for fun. Yeah, really, really young, at probably also after, after school. And, and then I had some friends who had um, um, a bar that I was going there to play for a couple of beers with some friends. And that's the way it, it just started. And I'm, I was never expecting to make a, a career out of that or, or become a professional into the, into the let's say, the DJing and at that time also DJing was not it didn't it was not like such a strong musical let's say culture today the DJ became like um, like a really important thing I would say in the in the in the nightlife for fun in clubs and and there's a uh, there's a worldwide scene today that uh, that is very strong yeah where a lot of young people they committed of course to 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 this idea about becoming a DJ yeah uh, and where in South America? I grew up in Chile, in Santiago. Okay. And you say when you started, what, roughly what time was that? I started back in the 90s, yeah. Yeah. And was uh, back at that time we we uh, it was um, we were just coming uh, out of a dictature also in, in in Chile, so the 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 whole musical culture was very very closed, yeah. So I remember at the very beginning trying to to get into the electronic music being on a, on a scene that was a lot of rock and roll and of course of, of local music and was was not that easy actually to to start with, uh, with this music I was just thinking how how would you have been getting uh, tracks from uh, in the 90s well you know? that's that's the um, the, the, the whole beginning was was very difficult because there was no internet 
to get one record. One record was very expensive to get to get music, especially. So we were a bunch of people. We were like basically four or five people, and we all had about 20 records. We had also some tapes. We had also some things that we used to get from from people around traveling and exchanging. And it was all about a small community of people that we used to just borrow each other's things, and we were sharing a lot. Yeah. At that time, of course, it was it was not the the same as today that you get on the internet. It's very easy to get music and things. So, so it was really I think that the, the whole way we started was because we were extremely motivated because we used to share and we were like a, a group of people that we we strongly believe in that and we we all wanted to to achieve that and and that made the whole point and that made the whole fun also out of it. Yeah. And I, I read in your bio you said that in your early gigs uh, the a lot of the punters at the clubs that you play in, they were like into rock and they'd come and stub their cigarette out yes. in your record. Yes, they. I remember that's those situations that they were not, not very friendly, but uh, it used to be like that, like basically the, the rock guys with long hair and blah, 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 they used to, to come to us and they let us playing 20 minutes, this kind of music that they didn't know really what it was. And they used to turn off cigarettes on the records and was like kind of strange vibe, but... Maybe two years later, those same guys, they were with short hair dancing to electronic music. So, so I mean, we all, because of the group of the people we were, we, we believed in what we were doing and we had the impression we were bringing something new and we were having fun with that. Yeah. Um, Vinny, I guess it would have been a similar thing in South Africa. Where would you get, be getting the records from? Yeah, that was pre-internet when you started, eh? Yeah, I mean... And it was almost the same time as you as well, like the early 90s. Um, there was, I think, about two or three record stores, in one in Pretoria and then two in Johannesburg that were selling vinyl. And, uh, you know, I'd travel, get into a minibus, taxi, go to Johannesburg, buy two records, come back, play them, you know, at home. Because, I mean, back in the day, we didn't have the... I didn't even know what an SL 1200 is because we had that console, you know, that disco console? It comes with two turntables all in one with a mixer with no pitch control. That was the one. So we, you know, play off that, you know, record tapes, give it to people, you know, sell them, you know, whatever. So just to get the music out there. And because the one time when I first started listening to house music, I just fell in love with it. And for me, it was a... It was a different kind of music that we usually used to listening to on the, on the radio because it was, what is this thing called house? You know, people didn't get it and it took a long time for people to get it. But for us, like I said, it was just something to do at home as a hobby. It was not uh, profitable or anything. I was just playing music for myself, for my friends, and that was it, you know. And, and in the clubs uh, that you were playing, what were they used to? I mean, they were obviously weren't used to house music. You were the first to kind of discover it. What was it that been um, heard before? I'd say my first experience of a nightclub. Um, there was one in Pretoria in my township. So I went, I mean, I was still young. So I went to the club and, you know, they almost chased me out because I was too tiny, you know what I mean? So... But I managed to snuck in, sneak in, and then I listened to what they were playing. This guy was just playing, it was house, playing eight, ten tracks, seamless, mixing, but I didn't understand. I'm like, this song 
It's like one track. It's not ending. What is, you know? And eventually, you know, when you get to, I got to the DJ booth, I managed to meet him. And I just say, can I just watch you? What you're doing? And I just watched him. And, but it was house. We knew what house music is, but a lot of people didn't really understand. And, and the tracks were, like, who were the artists? What were the labels? Um, the labels that were around there was uh, labels like Nevers. Um, King Street was still was available then. Um, you had, um, phew, I can't even remember those. There's a lot of them, but um, I mean, the, the more popular ones, like your King Street Nevers and uh, the LE, MAWs, like Atlantic, those are the labels that were coming out. And groups like uh, Ten City were the popular you know, groups that were around at the time. So, yeah, I mean, for me, if I went to a club on a Friday night or a Saturday night, I make sure that I look at the label and I'll ask the DJ who's, who's the artist there. And then maybe on Monday, Tuesday, go to the record store and try and find it. And most of the time you don't find it because those tracks were, you know, maybe exclusive to the DJ or the DJ knew where to get them. Maybe that's how it was, it was happening back then. Mm. And Luciano, yourself, uh, a lot of the stuff you were playing, was it house, techno, both? Um, we, I think um, on, back on that time, I remember one of the, the, the person that, that basically opened our hearts and our mind back on, on those days was um, we were really influenced by the Detroit music scene. Yeah? And, and Derek May was one of the first who came down to, to our country because it was nobody at that time used to come to Chile. It's like one of the last little corner of the world. So it was really hard to basically get people. And we had Derek May coming for, for the first time. And he's the one who triggers, let's say, a lot of things in, in, in most of uh, the artists that came down from, from my country. And um, so we were really then dropped in into the Chicago house and, and to the Detroit scene. And, and that, were, that were our mentors, let's say, into, into the music, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and when did you start producing music? Was it at that well, stage? Uh, yes, producing music came, I didn't, I mean, it, be, it become because before, um, let's say, being into the electronic, I was, uh, I was playing uh, instruments. I was a guitar player. So basically the idea of electronic music became because uh, it was, electronic music was a way to, to produce music on your own. You didn't know, you didn't need to have a, 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 drum, a drummer, you didn't need, need to have a bass player, you, didn't, you could do it, everything on your own. So that was the, the idea. That I remember the first time I had a, a machine was, um, I just created some rhythms on a, on a rhythm machine and played the guitar on top of it. And this is, was the first time where I, I got, let's say, a little bit into the, into a, the electronic producing thing, yeah. And, and, and you, you say rhythm machine, what, what do you mean, like an 808 or yeah, something? Yeah, 808, 909, all, this, all the, the very first machine. The and, and, and where were they? Just did, did friends have the gear? The, I had a friend of mine who, who is a very, very famous um, um, Chilean singer who's one of the, the biggest, let's say, the South American rocker. Yeah, But they, they, they used to come from this Depeche Mode influence and things like this. And he had a Lindrum, which is a very old drum machine. And he borrowed it to me. And I had it for two months, I think, or something. And it was like a revelation. Then my whole... 
my whole um, idea behind that was not, I was trying to go to DJ and trying to make myself a little bit of pocket money wherever I could go in bars and things just to get machines, yeah. So I remember I got like the my first machine that I got for with a friend of mine who, because the, the, we had a lot of Chilean people because of the dictator that had to leave the country. So we had a lot of connection with with Europe, with North America, and they used to come back always to visit the family. And one of my closest friends also brought me like a, a second-hand machine, like an, an, one of the first Akai also that they had, like a sampler. And that's the way I started to get into the music, yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a geeky technology thing, the Lind but the Lindrum's quite sort of 80s, hey? It's not it's, the it's, it's, digital would, sort of no, sound. No, I would say that if you hear a lot of Prince records, they, yes. they're all made on the Lindrums. It's a very old drum machine. It's like a, a, a classic, I would say. Uh, okay, and then you started to produce your own records and, and release it, or were you just no, toying with the No, at the beginning, was, I was only producing because I thought this is the... This is what I want. I want to do, but but I, as I as I tell you, it was there was no idea of, of of making a career out of that. I didn't I didn't even believe that I could release one record one day or someone would be interested in what I was doing. Yeah, I was just doing it because it was fun. It was just fun, and and it was just enjoyable with friends and we were sharing ideas and you could also meet up and and do this late session where everybody was adding a little bit of things and 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 that was it, it was just passion and fun yeah and it was never with an idea of, of, of releasing something my first release came much later with um with the first release that i had was with transmat actually with derek may who signed my first record and it was big meaning for me because he was my mentor yeah and and Vinny, did uh, what was your sort of entry into production and the uh, and, and I mean, what was South Africa like in the nineties? Where could you go and make tracks if you were interested? Um, I mean, back in the early nineties, I mean, the production side of things was way too far from me because I, I I never thought that I'll get into a studio to make a record. No ways. So I was just playing music and I was just enjoying myself like listening to music. So production side of things came, oh, it was late in, 90, I think it was 1998, when I first got into the studio uh, with my friend DJ Christos, everybody knows him here. So, and he has been producing for, you know, maybe for the past two, three years before we got into the studio together. And uh, also, we just went in, into the studio to make a fun project. Let's make some music, let's see what happens. Produce music and see what happens. Not because somebody or a record label approached you or to, to do something. Let's get into the studio and see what happens. We called in a bass player to come in, you know, a keyboard player, and uh, we just messed around in the studio, that's it. And you mentioned Christos, where did you, I mean, the two of you are like synonymous, Vinnie Da Vinci and DJ Christos. Where did you meet him? How did you meet him? Um, Christos owned a record store, like in the early 90s. So I was buying music from him, records from him. And I'll just go and then I'll find he's got two or three records for me, pay him, go. Just like that. And because he's, I mean, he was seeing me every week. And then we started talking and then... Eventually, that led to us being friends. So, and then we started talking about 
the production style of things, but we just left it like, look, when the time comes, it will happen. And that happened in 1998. And Christos, sorry, was he a Pretoria guy or a Joburg guy? Also Pretoria. I mean, a lot of the early DJs or the early producers are back in the... Yeah, a lot of them were from Pretoria because, I mean, Pretoria was known as the capital of house music back then. Isn't it still the capital of house music? Well, it is, but I mean, now that people know what house music is, I mean... There's a scene in Cape Town, there's a scene in Deben, there's a scene everywhere. But I think for more people to know what house music is, is mainly because Pretoria was there and, you know, pushing a lot of it. Because you still, I mean, you've got like Julian Gomez. You see, he's the, also from Pretoria. It's, a, you know? it's still a very strong scene. So, yeah, yeah, there's a scene there and, and it's, it's huge. And I think maybe because a lot of the guys that grew up in that era were listening to this music, but not really sort of caring what it was or what it was about. They just loved the vibe, the music, uh, the beats, and the fact that people can go into any club or tavern or whatever and listen to a song and sing along. Hey, man, that was a Pretoria thing. And, mm. But did you move to Joburg? Uh, yeah, I moved, in jo- I moved to Joburg um, 1994, 1995, when I moved to, yeah, I moved to Joburg because... Um, I think when I started playing in clubs, 1992, 93, and then the clubs closed down, and then there was a scene, a new scene coming up in Joburg. So you say the the Pretoria clubs closed down? Yeah, a lot of the clubs that were around then, yes, they closed down. So nothing was happening in Pretoria. So a lot of us decided, you know what, let's go see what's up in Joburg. And what was up in Joburg? What was the club? Um, there were like a few clubs, like. Uh, Resmatez, uh, there was Countdown, there was quite a few. And obviously they came up and with their own identity, not really house. It was more like the R&B soul and house. They'll play like quite late in the night. I mean, like maybe just before they close. Yeah. But it was more like the more soul, R&B, hip hop kind of places. So the house was like, they didn't really, like I said, I mean, people really didn't give uh, attention to house music and at the time there was this new thing that was coming up called Guaito. Yes. yes so it was more like hip-hop soul r&b Guaito, and then house they just you know at the end of the pack did you so did you but you were involved with the Guaito a bit did you play some of it um or? i honestly look i i was enjoying Guaito because it was a new thing um, there were a few records that I'd play from, you know, that were produced by quite artists, but I was more into house, you know, and uh, with Christos as well. Christos, I mean, I'll, I'll mention Christos or Skiro, they started the, the, the quieto thing, mm. you know, they started producing, taking house tracks and then slowing them down to like maybe one nine, like I think 110 BPM. Playing it on 33. Or playing it, yeah. But they take that and then get inspiration from those records, play them slowly, slow, and then reprogram them mm. and then put them out. That's how Quieto started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But now the funny thing is it's it's fast again, eh? Hey, man, you can't... I mean, <laughs> once you... That's why I said once you listen to house music, I mean, you can't go back, You man. can't go back. You can't <laughs> go back. Um... And and Luciana, you 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 eventually moved to Europe. That was yeah. that was a big move for you, hey. Yes. Yeah. Where, where did you move to? 
Well, I, uh, I, moved, now, hey. I moved uh, 13 years ago, yeah. yeah. Because, um, you know, it's like I had the possibility because of my, my different, my parents. I mean, my parents, they split it up. So I was uh, living with my mother. Basically, I grew up in Chile, but I had my father who was living in Switzerland. So I took the chance to take uh, the, 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 the chance to go to Europe. And um, I felt that I needed to do that because... It was it was pretty difficult, you know, when 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 as an as an as an artist from my country, they had always they always used to whatever was coming from outside they used to appreciate it, and it was very difficult to make to make to make us like really to let's say to keep on doing what we were doing without having the, taking the chance to go outside. But before that, I I, I moved to different like other parts of South America. And then I, I I I took the chance to go to to the other part of the world and to go to to Europe, and um, I just you know it was just more like I had a lot of friends because of uh, of the exilio, uh, the exilio politico, which means that the the a lot of during the dictation a lot of people went out, so I had a lot of uh, Chilean friends back from my um, from my childhood that they were living also in Germany or in different parts, and I had the chance to go and visit them. And one of those friends was uh, Ricardo also, which is um, also an, an important uh, Chilean artist. So um, I took the chance to go there, visit him, and, and I knew he was already also involved a little bit also in the, let's say, German scene and things like this. He knew people, he was working in a, in a record store. So I went there to visit and, and, and we tried, we, we, we started playing in small parties and things and, and tried to get our thing working, yeah. Uh, your thing, what was the, that? Was that going to become Cadenza Records down the line? No, Cadenza Records became really much, much later. Yeah, it, oh, okay. it, 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 it went like 10 years ago. Basically, my, my sister, me, I, I, I had to give out of what I was doing because we, I couldn't afford university or whatever studying because of, of things we had there. And my sister, she could, she could go to, uh, to, to school and she studied graphic design and she needed, she needed to have... Um, um, something at the end of the year to prove that she was she had done the thing. So we decided to do together. I was doing the music and she was doing the the, the graphic design. And we never thought about doing a label. We we just wanted to do a record, and that's what we when we did the the, the first record when when it was it was never thought about being a label. But after the release of it, we had so much people writing back and and please, what's going on? From where are you? Blah blah blah. So we were like. We felt responsible also for that, and we we felt lucky also to 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 have these people demanding things from us, and we were just trying to focus and and answering these people, and and we were like suddenly, hey, did you see what happened? Should we should we keep on? Should we keep on doing it? And that's the way it just started it, on a, on a brothers and sister idea. Yeah, basically. yeah. But you but once you moved to Europe, then you started to really play around with production a lot. Yes, I mean when I moved there I was working in whatever I could I could do just to afford. I had at that time I just had my my first kid also. So I was just trying to work during the day and whatever was coming and and as soon as I had 5 minutes I was getting back to my little machine, my headphones and there was no studio neither at that time and trying to make some sound and trying to invent ideas and and do what I loved was everything about everything was about passion, yeah. It was really that's what I wanted to do, and that's what was my main motivation in life for part of uh, friendship and family and things like this. And that's the way just everything started. And I think today, it's I keep on doing this way also. Like, 
like you know that there's sometimes a lot of people think it's like there's a business behind or whatever and there is no I mean like today even after 10 years even with a lot of the artists we have Cadenza is only we only do it's passion 100% passion yeah but you also brought in uh, South American influences am I, yes am I because right? this is my roots this is uh, I grew up with that music it's like I, I mean from what I experienced yesterday in Soweto yeah with the, all the artists I was flashed by the, the the great the great music that is played here with the, I was seeing all the people singing every song I remember Black Coffee was playing yesterday and everybody knew the songs and they were singing and I was really impressed of of the, the culture and I could hear also probably the, the roots of the music that also that they are from here into that the, the sound that is I think it's proper from from here as, as far as I've heard from South Africa and I grew up also with a certain kind of music, with salsa, with uh, whatever it is, like all the Latin influences, yeah, which is, has to do a lot of percussion, has to do a lot with melodies, and and I try always to reproduce what I grew up with in the music. So that's it. It was never thinking oh, I have to bring South America to the to the. It was just like that's the music I love, and that's the identity I, I, I find myself through, in ha probably in house music, because this is where the rhythms and colors and everything comes from. And that's what we try to do, a, a new interpretation of, 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 a new, of, a, of a sound that we grew up with, which also was house music, yeah. Yeah, and, and do you think that helped, uh, I, I know that you, the, 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 you, you said it was just natural, but do you think it helped distinguish you in terms of what you were doing? I think so. I think so. We, um, I mean, we we, we were um, a group of people coming from, uh, um, um, let's say, on the on the American scene or the European scene, where it was basically a lot of. Um, of that kind of music was released we were you know from this new worlds coming from from with new influences with the with a new group of people that we were all you know there's a bunch of, of Chilean guys or Argentinian or Brazilian that they produced music and and we were all new to this market and, and we, we were just trying to be um, let's say respectful and and, and 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 truth with what we were doing yeah and it just it just it just happened, but it was never with an intention of of bringing something new. We always did everything that we we did was for fun and because we we believed in we liked what we we did. Yeah. And that and you said it was like ten years ago or so, or even even more. That Thirteen when you years ago. This is, when you started. Yeah. Uh, so what? Two thousand. Uh, two thousand. Yes, we uh, we started. Cadenza started on two thousand and three, around that. And but I moved there in two thousand. But I think we were. I mean, we were already. Doing that sound from before, and 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 I don't think we invented something. I think this. I mean, we all took our influences from records, like he said, like King King Street Records, or, or like different things that they were already doing that tracks records. All all they they were our let's say influences became there. This is where we we dig, and we just transformed it into what we we thought it was something similar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and very. You said it sounds like a similar sort of time period. You said you you, you guys you and Christos released in about ninety eight the Masters at Work series. Yeah. Eh? DJs at Work. Yeah. DJs at Work. Sorry, uh -huh. not Masters yeah. at Work. That is uh, M A W. Yeah. <laughs> DJs at Work. Um, so, and that that's a label as well. That was a label as um, well. I mean, it was like a concept idea that we said 
like I said, we were just messing around in the studio. Let's see what happens. And then a record label approached us after hearing us playing it at, a, at an event. They said, we like that. We want to release it. And because that was a fun project, we were like, oh, what the hell, you know, take it, see what happens. And within a year, we had sold 100,000 copies of that, of that uh, project. That, that would have been the early, the explosion uh, of house music. Yes, 1998, 1999. Mm. And like I said, I was like, 100,000 copies, are you sure? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's when you saw the zeros adding up. I'm like, hmm. Was so it, this is a business, yeah. Was that kind of the, what it, was that the, sort of the first big uh, South African house music uh, um, compilation? Yeah, I think at the time, that's when, yeah, you, I think you called it, yeah, you named it right. That's when the house explosion really took over South Africa because, you know, people started noticing, oh, there's this thing called house. Also, it was the same time when the station uh, YFM came up and YFM, because they were playing house music day, night, any time of the day. So people, you're driving in the morning, you're waking up, you're going to work, here's a song playing, hmm, nice track, but you don't know what it is. But because they were playlisting a lot of house track on the radio, uh, people started catching on as to this new thing, and uh, I mean, that's why we call it the house explosion, yeah. yeah the house almost became mainstream yeah. from, from then on till now, actually. I mean, I think, yeah, 1997, 1998, Till today, mm. I think that was the era that changed the whole the whole uh, scene in South Africa. And um, yeah, like I said, I mean, YFM broke all the rules of radio. You know, they came there, they started talking township language on the radio, uh, doing all sorts of things that were not done on conventional radio, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I mean, that took off like wildfire. And, and uh, how many DJs at Work uh, records did you put out? Uh, DJs at Work projects, we did about, I think, six, six CDs that came out from yeah. volume one to volume six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Luciano, I think that that's probably where there's a sort of almost a difference because, I mean, um, what happened in South Africa is the deep house sound is just, and to this day, it's kind of become the, almost like the the national sound, but uh, what you're doing, I would, I would consider it probably to be a bit more underground, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's not really like uh, would, radio uh, music no, in Europe. Not, not at all, and, 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 and you know, it's like I was really surprised at like how much probably followers you have here and, and, and how big is the movement here. It's like back in that day in, in my country, it was, it was not that big. We were like, for example... The, the, the parties where where we were always like for 300 400 people we never had like festivals until 2000 coming everything was really really small and we were just a small bunch of people and i would say from the whole country we were 1000 1500 people doing, listening to that yeah but we were of course everybody knew each other and and it it was our movement for us and 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 it was it wasn't that big as i see it here that it's it's really it's i mean it's probably as you said that you you had radio channel playing for it you had uh, uh, a lot of um, people listening to it there it was just even back now today it's just 
taking off now, yeah. But back in the days, we were just like, you know, like almost like UFOs, like people just didn't get it, yeah. And and that was it, yeah. I think the the really the moment that it took off, it was when we brought that to um, outside of our country, yeah. Uh, uh, when you say, sorry, when you say outside, you mean outside of uh, Chile? Chile, or? Of Chile. Yeah, yeah. Yes, when sir. you went to, to when to I, I moved back to when I moved to Europe, this is yes. where my let's say the music that I was doing, the records that I was trying to put out, yeah, they were they just took out, yeah. Yeah, um, and and you say you started Cadenza as a part of just a kind of a um, fun and and it related to what you were doing with your sister who was doing the graphic design, but do you? Did you also sort of start the label because you needed to? You needed to get the music, release the music in some way, and that was the way to do it. Well, this becomes a little bit later. It becomes the let's say the 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 philosophy that I had behind the label. It was just that I, you know, I I could make my life. I made it through music. So music was always something that that helped me to go through life. And the philosophy we I always had behind. I wanted to bring back to the music what music brought me. Which means, like, I had the opportunity as a young artist to be released by by um, by big artists as Derek May and things like this. And I wanted to um, then Cadenza. I wanted to transform the platform into um, a place that I could basically sign younger artists or people that I believed that they um, they were great artists, and I would definitely sign the record and put them out to to make to to bring. To bring back to the music industry something that uh, like a point of view that we were having and and that we believe strongly in yeah it was back i would say it was back, back on that time that it it this this sound wasn't that big that it as, as it got today yeah so it was it was more the philosophy behind the label and and we always wanted to keep it that way and 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 to bring yeah, Younger artists to the light, yeah. That that's the whole idea behind. And when you started it, I mean, things have changed so much. I'm sure when you when you started the label, you were presumably you were putting st releasing stuff on vinyl to be sold in a physical format. Because um, because back on that time, the, the the digital was not was existing already, but it was not a major discussion as it is today. So back in that in the in that time, the vinyl was the 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 the. the 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 main format of what is a DJ, yeah. So that's what's why we. I mean, we keep on still. We put vinyl out because I think it's a beautiful piece of 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 of, of art and it's a beautiful, um, let's say, format for 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 putting out this music. There's no better recording than on a vinyl than it would be anything on digital. But at the same time, time change, time evolves, and I've I've went from vinyl to uh, to the digital also, but because of more practical reason I remember also you know it's like when you you play a lot and you go around and thing like this it's not like when you have a, a, a guitar if you're a singer and your guitar doesn't show up in a in a country where you go to visit you can always get a guitar from somewhere else but if you go into a place and your records doesn't show up then you don't know what to do I mean they can borrow you records that they are not yours but you, you end up playing whatever it is it could be trance it could be techno and this is not you yeah so it's like then it became the practical size of changing, of evolving, of uh, of the digi digital thing, the access, the quicker thing. You know, also a record. You used to, you know, when you got the promo of of a nice record, you were really excited because you were the the only one getting it. Yeah? And, and and that was the, that was something that was all the other ones they were looking at you. Oh shit, this guy has this nice record, and I have to wait like a couple of months more to get it. 
and he was making something special out of it. Now it's like it just went from, you know, it's like it's like basically one day you produce something, the next day can be out, and everybody can get it. So it just changed the whole form of of seeing music and approaching music. But I guess it, you know, it's just. It, that's the way it is today, and and you can't go against that. You have to go with it and try to make the best, the best thing you can with it. Yeah. Uh, we can chat a little bit more about the the label thing in a bit, but you said that um, you you know you it, you went from when you started the label up to now, and it's grown. I mean, what was there points over the last sort of decade, the the two thousands, where what you were doing really you felt like it it took off? Like there was something that happened, and that you you got a really big audience. You know, I think it's like the, 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 there's one thing is like having the label. Which is like basically is more related to the producer side. Yeah, the what what you have to really understand is like, for example, as as you said, like selling a hundred thousand records was back in the days. But those days, this is not this is not the numbers. I mean, what we do is, is far from this. Yeah, because it's like the digital took over, the the sharing things took over, and whatever it is. But it's like what you have to understand also is like I. To make a living out of it is not making out of a record. The record label is something that you do because of passion, because you are passionate about music, you're passionate about producing, you're passionate about sound. But the, um, let's say the real fact of, of what we do every day is out of the concerts. This is where this is where people makes a career. This is where people takes off. I mean, you can make a good record, but you have to go and play it out. You have to go and play it out. You have to go and make representation as much as you can from a small bar here in your town to the to the discotheque that's in the corner, to the next country, to whatever you, you can, you are able to go and show who you are and what is your sound. This is, this is what makes takes off i don't think you it's it, it's those days not like you will take off with the record you also have to go and and show the world what you do also yeah and that's extremely important i think and and how did you do that you were just you just played all over europe and, and but basically it's like the idea is like i'm i they would get me in a booking in the bar in the corner i would go play in the bar in the corner but on that gig, I was making sure that I was convincing the 10 people that they were there that the shit I was playing was okay and, and, and they wanted to book me again. And then you do this work again and then the next bar wants to book you again and you go to the next bar, you do the same thing and you're doing over, over, over and over and over and over years and that's the way it happens. There's no, there's no trick, you know, it's like... Mm. You and just, it, it just sort of grows and grows It grows and grows and, and you have to make... You create your small network. You start with the local thing, then you start with the. This is the way I started, changing by city from city. Then maybe having the chance to go outside of the country for the first time. Then you go outside of the and you build slowly a network of people. But always you have to work hard and make sure that of course people wants to hear you again. If you're there for if you're killing the floor and you, everybody leaves, it's like of course it's like it's very hard. And I think today that's the way an artist can survive. It's very hard to survive as a producer today because the the market the music market has changed so much so much. So you 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 create um, a professional living out of it out of what you go and when you go outside. Yeah. Mm. So uh, traveling and touring is is actually very important to create that for yourself. Somehow. I think I think it's it's extremely important, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vinny, uh, you yourself you um, obviously you you started here in South Africa and you've been performing here in South Africa, but at some stage you also started touring around Africa and the world, am I right? 
Yes, um, and uh, that came up, I think, in the year 2000, 2001. Mm. And, and obviously, it, it came up from that record that sold a lot of copies. So people bought it, and then they started, you start getting more bookings than, than usual. You know, and you're right in saying that you gotta go out there and promote your record. You know, and uh, for me, I think, I think my first trip or trip outside of South Africa was when I went to the UK, 2001, and because one promoter who was in South Africa bought the record, went back to the UK, and then a couple of months later, he was calling saying, "Guys, I want you to come over and perform." So. Yeah, so you're right in saying that, and I, you know, I always like to tell the young DJs out there because they tend to say that you book them to come to play at a venue, and then there's ten people. They're like, no, I can't play here, and he's still up and coming. He's still new. He'll tell you, no, I can't play here because there's ten people. You never know who the ten people are. I mean, I might a, prom a big promoter might be one of the ten, and then you say you don't want to play. So, so you're right. I mean, if you're playing to 10 people, play like you're playing to 1,000 people. The same thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were talking a bit, a bit about technology. Uh, you said, obviously, when you, both of you, when you started, you were playing vinyl. Um, and, but you moved on down the line. What, uh, well, starting with you, Vinny, what, uh, do you still play vinyl? Uh, not as much as I want to. Yeah. Because, I mean, vinyl will always remain king. I don't care who says what. Vinyl will always remain king. Unfortunately, you got to move with the times. Um, you know, I played on vinyl for a long time before I changed to playing on, the, on CDs. And I'm still on CDs today. And I'm not saying I'm not going to change into Tractor or Serato or whatever. I might do it, but not now. But... Uh, because I was still preferring to play on vinyl because you're right in saying that the sound on, on vinyl, you can't get it anywhere, man. It's, it's so special. It's special. That analog sound, you can't get away from it. So uh, I think in a year, I mean, over the past two, three years, I've pl probably played four times of vinyl. And uh, right now, because my vinyl is in storage, so anybody who books me and say they want me to play on vinyl, Oh man, they need to convince me big time, man. Because I mean, to go to a storage and say you want to open, take out your vinyl, it's 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 a lot of work. I mean, it's not easy. Like now, I can just take my slapper with CDs and just go, or take your USB, whatever. Yeah. So, but yeah, but oh, yeah, we still, I, I, I still want to see more parties or more events where a lot of guys are playing on of vinyl. And I see uh, recently everywhere in the country, there's like small pockets of people doing the vinyl sessions, and uh, I'd like to see that continue, you know. But, but the, the thing is, I mean, increase... Sorry, uh, you were going to say something? No, 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 I, I, I totally agree with uh, that. It's like the vinyl is, is something ultra special, and, and, and it's something that should be kept alive, and it's something, it, it brings a certain different way also of playing, different way of approaching music, and, and, and it has magic in it, yeah, for sure. Uh, but the thing is, uh, like well, a lot of guys now are, are making tracks and they're really good tracks. And I mean, they they just 
in order to go to a club and play the track, they, they're going to need to play it off CD. You know, if it's a vinyl-only party, or then they just the can't thing do is that. that. Is, is, is the vinyl, it, it's, it's a lot more cost also to put just a vinyl to go and play it in the club. You know, you have to master it, you have to make the cutting, you have to make the... It's, it, it's much more cost to put a, just a vinyl just to go and try it out, yeah? With, a, with just a, uh, something you do at the studio, it's very easy. You just finish, you put the USB stick, you go to the club and you play it. And that's what makes it all so special. I mean, I think it's, I'm always very excited when I, I have, um, I'm working in the studio and I just finish something, I just put it on a USB stick, go and bah, play it and here in the club. I think it's also very special, yeah. And it just, you know, it's just time I'm moving forward and, and, and you have to try to keep the, the good of the past and, and, and the good of the future also and make, make, make something together. Mm. But, and, and you've, you've, doing something quite special now with uh, yeah. you you're doing this sort of uh, do you mind actually if we go and take a look at what no, you're no, doing no problem well, I, I can explain it first is like yes. I, I completely let's say I, back in the day I, I, when I was still playing a lot of records I was um, always like playing my I had my two decks and always I had like two CD play on the side and I always used to produce on the studio like uh, strings or vocals or some little effects like whatever I had like on the side and I was just adding on top of the record I was adding little elements that I was I could you know make it on top of it that was making a little bit more fun and that's when the whole idea about like ah I really enjoy that because I can edit in real time, I, I was starting to edit the, the, the like new things. Then it just appeared. They, they had a loop machine also that just appeared from Rebirth, which is, was like something basically you could you could just play some records and you would just loop in one bar, two bars, four bars, eight bars, sixteen bars, and you could just you know go take the record out, put it back, and and it was starting to edit in real time things with the with the violin. And it was more you were not DJing anymore. You were creating in real time music. It was not music like producing in a studio, but you were starting to create. So then the whole track, the things appeared and I used it as a normal setup with the, just a vinyl controller. I was playing vinyl, but from the computer, the files from the computer. And then everything moved on to this four decks where you basically have four sources, where you have A, B, C, D, where you can load basically four tracks. So um, then I was like, okay, it's like this is this is incredible because I can, I can basically it's it's halfway through DJing and halfway through producing. So it's a half live and DJing. So I just left the the record syncing, went straight away to the internal syncing, which is basically it just sync the computer syncs it for yourself. And instead of focusing into the singing thing, I was focusing more into the composition between these four tracks. Yes. So that's, that's where it, I just completely switched to something else. But it was in, in between, let's say, the, my producer side and my DJ side, yeah. And, and you're still doing that to, to today? This, yes, yeah. yes. I, I do that today mainly when I'm, I'm playing alone. When I'm, when I'm playing with, uh, with, uh, with friends, I'm always, of course, still yes. using the record. And also something very important is like I'm always um, saying, especially to the people, who, whoever wants to start or whoever is interested about that, this is not something you should start with. I mean, yes. you should, a DJ should start he has to know how to sing to record. If you don't have a sense of rhythm, don't get into that because that's not DJing. I mean, this is, you must have a sense of how to know how to sing two records together, understand the dynamics between the, the A and B, and then you can move forward to that. But I think it's, it's not good to start with, with the setup. Sure, I was actually going to ask, out of interest, if you've been 
doing like say you you playing on track or let's say you use Ableton or something, but you started DJing and you've done and you've yes. DJed for a long time. You yes. know how to mix and beat match. Yes, of course. Um, is it like riding a bicycle when you go back, or is you, are you a it's bit like, shaky? It's like riding a bicycle. Yeah, you, you don't. You forget remember. That. <laughs> you remember it immediately. You don't forget yeah. that. No, no. And you hear that. You, um, you, you, you know, still. Sometimes you have like more complex rhythms that I use on the on like tracks that they are a little bit more complex than the four to the floor and thing like this, but I hear it in like straight away when there's not even a mm. million million of second that is that is delayed and you correct it also. Mm -hmm. But you have to you have you know it's something that you have you must be trained to that. You yeah, you train to train that you must DJing the mm. the normal way A to B with the two mm. CD players or two vinyls or whatever it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Can we take a look at yeah, your setup? Let's have, let's have a look. If you want to listen to these conversations live and have access to this incredible community, you can join us at our physical campus, the Bridges Academy in Langa, South Africa. A revolutionary learning space where you will find courses on music, entrepreneurship, film, DJing and much more. For more information on how to apply, visit bridgesacademy.org. Okay. We're just taking one minute so we can set up the camera so you guys can yep. have a look here. Can you can you all see everybody? Yeah, sweet. Yep. Cool. So the the basic idea is that you have well the mixer, you have four channels. This one, two, three, four. Basically I, I split it this uh, I don't know if you can see the screen over here, but you have A, B, C, D. So it's also four sources that I split into these four channels. Um, the idea, of course, is like you, you create playlists, so you have a lot of, uh, you, there's a lot of music into the thing. You create playlists. For example, I have a playlist that is called loops. I have a playlist that is called vocals. I have playlists that is called tools. And everything is like, there are splitted files with different elements. So for example, um, let's go back to here, South Africa. Okay, so for example, in the um, source A, I'm gonna put, um, like air, it's I, I've called it air, which is air basically. <laughs> then I have some bongos, for example. Then I have some hi hats, and then I have a kick drum or track. So then, basically, the idea is just to turn then this whole thing on. If he wants to start, okay. So in source A, I have this. So wait, 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 wait. Here it is. This. Then I have this, and then I have this. So in the A, I might have this. So this is only the, the air idea. This is the, the first source, which is basically just a sound. Then in the B, I will have the, my, my percussion, which is just a percussive track. Then I have on the, on the C side, is only hi-hats. Yeah, 
And on the first one is a kick drum, normal kick drum. So what I do is simply I have my all my sources. And I just, uh, you start composing on top of it. You can add some air, you can take out the shakers, you can put the... So that's the whole idea. <laughs> okay, see, I, I, I leave this for later, but uh, that's the whole idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's... You, you're basically yes. sequencing live. Yeah, I'm the, basically what I'm doing constantly is sequencing things in real time. And I can, I can, you can easily change to vocals, to uh, whatever sounds you have, like uh, uh, cappellas and things like this. And then an important thing also is uh, I, I switch it to, um, there's an audio card also who is able basically inside of the program to, to switch the four channels into, into a good conversion into the, the mixer right. to try to keep a good quality. That's it. And then also obviously effects and things as yeah, well. Yeah, then, then it's, it's all about feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank uh, you. Nice little tease of what's going to happen <laughs> later on. Eh? Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the couch. Um, okay, what we're going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to open it up for questions now. We, the party starts in 15 minutes, so we'll only take about four questions or so, see how it goes. But uh, yeah, if any of you have any burning questions, here's the mic. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you very much for being here. Um, it's awesome to have some insight from various parts of the world and various outlets of musical styles and so on. Um, what I'd love to know is, you've both been involved in record labels. I understand, Vinny, you were involved with House Africa and that whole setup, right? Yeah, I'm still, still involved. Okay. I'd love to know how much the record label has influenced... Um, or uh, Not influenced, but how, how much the record label has to do with how your career like moves forward and how, it, I mean, do, does the record label fund anything else financially to do with you progressing through the musical world? Um, from my side, I mean, from House Africa, House Africa was first a record store. We were selling vinyl from there. And uh, I think that helped with my, my vast collection of music first. And then, after that, you know, when the vinyl faded away, it became a record label. And uh, to answer your question, we we as South Africa has a, you know, we've got a joint venture with a major record label like uh, Sony Music. So, you know, to a sense, yes, you can fund your project through an independent label. You can. House Africa could, but we decided here's a major knocking on our door. Let's, ra let's rather use their resources instead of ours because Sony Music is huge. So they can do more than we can do as, a, as an independent label. But uh, yeah, I'd advise anybody who wants to get into any label, if you have the resources to do it yourself, 
do it yourself. It's much better, much easier. You don't have to account to anyone. It's your baby, you know? So yeah, I mean, but at the time we couldn't. So that's why we went with a major, you know? I don't know from your side, what do you think? Um, on, on, on my side, it's like the, basically the label, what we generated to the label was a, a community, a community of people that, um, that did, that identified to a sound and identified to a, an identity, basically. And, and yes, it helped. I think everyone's career, not only mine, but also um, Reboot, Mirko, Andrea, all the guys that I have behind on, on, on the team, it helped everyone to be under this, let's say, aura of, of what is Cadenza, yeah? But I would say on the business side, we always uh, kept it independently. We, uh, we never went for, um, for, for, for something with the major, even the, if they approached, but not because we didn't thought that we could use the resources, but, but, but more because I think we were more afraid because, you know, we've heard many stories. There's many things also from different people that always advise us as like, hey guys, watch, you know, because it's like, as you said, it's like, it's your baby. And when you step into something that it's, it's such a big business where they, 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 they have much more knowledge than actually we have, it was better for us to stay under this thing. And just understand also that Cadenza, we, even if we are, we are a big label of, of the underground music we are today, we don't make money out of this. We, we just make every month enough to money to pay everybody that everybody can live out of this. And this is enough. This is more than enough for us. We, we, live, we live the dream somehow. And, and we do this because of passion. This is 100%. There's no business behind. And it's 100% passion. If you do it independently. If you go, if, you would, if I would set the, the catalog, if I would go, yes, maybe it would be a business. But I think... This is not the, the idea behind all that, yeah. Two? Yeah. One, two, hi. Uh, I want to say thank you for having two legends in their own right, right in front of us. Thank you to everybody for organizing this and making sure that we have this opportunity to actually speak to you guys. I want to say thank you very much for that. My question is very simple. I want to talk about trust. From trusting what you play, when you're ready to play it, and actually trusting on a long-term scale in terms, of, in terms of what Cadenza has done in Ibiza from DC10 to the move to Pacha and the successes in those respective rights and the hard yards that House Africa has run for making sure that there's credibility in terms of the recognition we get as people creating on this continent. I want to understand and I want you to share with some of those who are here how much, you know, personally to you, Luciano, and to you, Vinny, does trust play a role? I think it's like you know it's like the the it's excellent questions but it's 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 like the trust thing is like something that of course first of all is like is like stay truth to to who you are stay truth to to what makes you getting up every morning to watch your face in the mirror and say like hey good I'm a good man I'm trying my best to do to do what I can and 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 sometimes you know success is something that is it's it's very hard to handle because you know, taking off, it's it's somehow it's easier than to stay, let's say, on 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 the line for for a long time. Because, of course, like at the beginning when you st you start, it's just a group of friends, and you just everything is so fresh and so easy because you're a group of people that have the same ideal, and you go on and you walk. But as as you walk around and as things are growing up, and 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 you go out from a small club to 
playing in a big club of 10,000 people, the, the responsibility is different because you have suddenly you have more friends, <laughs> but you have more enemies also. And, and to please everybody is something very difficult that I think we, I work personally myself every day trying to, to do the best I can and to stay the, 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 the truth as I can with what I do. But it's very difficult. But the most important is, is you know, I know, I know my followers. I always try to please them. I'm, I'm thankful every day because I, if, I, if I can get to where I am today, it's thanks to all the people that come also and support this. And family, friends, the whole thing that I have from the very beginning. And this is, I think this is where your soul and trust, everything starts from here. And if you're loyal to that, I think you're, you're loyal in whatever you take, yeah? Um, yeah, Luchi is right. Uh, I think because we've got so much passion in this game, that should come first, you know. If you've got a passion for this game, amen, things will happen for you, I guarantee you. Don't just do it because of the fame, you know, because everybody gets into this game because they want to be famous, forget it. And I mean, because we've got so much passion for it, it's more like a nine to five. For me, it's like every morning I wake up and I've got to do something, or whether it's a gig or I'm doing admin for South Africa or whatever. It's a job for me. I'll, that's how I treat it. And if you treat it good, it will definitely treat you well. Yeah. Oh. Hi, hi, Luciano and uh, Vinny. Thank you very much. I think I'd like to talk on behalf of of the vocalists, you know. How do I make sure that if I if I recorded music and it's in a DJ's compilation, that if the songs become popular, I'm popular with the song as well as a, as a vocalist. Because what happens is that the DJ, they take all the glory. Whereas I'm the one who, who sat down writing the lyrics sang onto that particular song. And people, people at the parties, they are singing to my lyrics, but they don't know me, they know the DJ. So how do I become part of the song, you know, part of the success? Thank you. Um, yeah, that's uh, Zakes Bantuini, guys. Um, popular vocalist. So, uh, I mean, Zakes, I think maybe just to put it into perspective, the DJs that uh, come and license your record, however popular it is, I mean, these, are they speaking to you or are they speaking to the label? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, yeah. Yeah. If Vinny comes to license uh, Shake Your Bam Bam. Yeah. Uh, is Vinny talking to Zakes or is Vinny talking to the label? I, I think you are quite you are quite far from where I am, Vinny. No, no, no I understand. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, getting I'm, to that, yeah. I'm the guy. Yes, I'm the guy who happens to be in the studio, who who finds himself making songs, yeah. and and I'm called by Vinny yeah. to make a song, and I get there, I write a song, I sing, yeah. it becomes popular. But Vini enjoys the success on his oh, own, yes. and I'm not part of that. So as a vocalist, 
how do I make sure then it as much as Vinny now is getting kicks and making money, I also get that as well. No, I see that happening quite a lot these days. I've seen it, yes. Where Vinny goes to Zakes and says, Zakes, let's do a song together. Yeah. But Vinny takes the glory. Yeah. Mm. Well, you shouldn't allow that in the first place. Because you are the, you, I mean, that song is popular because it's Zake singing on there, not Vinny. Vinny is just a DJ, he's just the face of the city, right? That song is not Vinny's song, but because I think that a lot of, the, the problem that the producers and the vocalists are doing is that they get into an agreement where I'm like, Zakes, let's write a song together. And I'm not doing anything. You are doing the whole, I mean, everything from start to finish and you put it out under my name featuring Zakes. And I see that happening quite a lot all over. I mean, everybody, everybody's doing it. And I mean, I've been approached by so many people as we speak now, people approaching me, Vinny, can we do a song together? It's Vinny featuring so-and-so. And I tell them straight up, I said, brother, that's not my song, that's your song. Why don't you release that on your own? Not with, not with my name. I'd rather say, let me license it from you as a Zakes song, not Vinny featuring Zakes, because that's not my song. So you, you should say no to that. You should say no. You don't allow that because that's that's pure so, fraud, man. So, that's so, mm. so in a nutshell, Vinny, as an artist or as a vocalist, if some if a DJ wants to take my song and says DJ featuring who? I must not allow that. Don't allow it. Must it must be mm. my song as just a song as, in as, his as album. Zake's song on, on Vinny's album. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny. Uh, just, just, uh, just one more word. I think there's, um, there's also Zake, there's also, uh, there's a responsibility also. And one of the responsibility also is with the label you're signing with that also have to make sure that also, because whatever you've participated in, and the song is as much as it is from the per the person who have produced it, as much as hard and as much as all the things that you've put it in, it belongs to you also. So I think there's a, a part of responsibility also from the record label when you're signing with someone that has to be made clear from the very beginning. And I think everybody knows this in this industry. So if they don't play that game, it's because they just playing dirty and then you have to just make sure that you know you make it notice and another thing also is that sometimes it's like especially for a vocalist that is more difficult is like we, we don't have to for forget that what like most of um, the music for example dj we do is dance music and if um, for example when the songs got big the i think exactly as the way he said the way it's put it on the record is going to be zakis uh, record and it's going to be like this is going to be this is the song that's going to become popular but in the way of like for example if someone wants uh, because that song got big and if you did the, for example the song with a with a dj or a producer the let's say a promoter wants to book you the promoter will always books he will book a dj with with the things because for him it's so easier and 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 it, it makes it more complicated which i think it's not fair i totally agree with that yeah but the reality is sometimes that I know it's, it sounds hard, but it's, it is like this sometimes today. So, yeah, sorry. It's, it's my last question. I think this, these are the questions, obviously. Um, obviously, some, 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 some of us has been lucky in terms of coming with a, a, a very strategic way in terms of, uh, you know, being able to do, to do that. But 
Why I'm asking these questions? These are the questions in which I always say people who still want to make it should be asking us or asking people who are there because we get a lot of, a lot of times people want to be part of the success, but they never know how. So I'm going to come up with my second ignorant question as well. Um, my, which is the last one? <laughs> which, is, which is the last one? I, had, I, I don't belong in a record company. I don't belong in a record company. Obviously, people are not interested in me. And I'm trying to make my way into the industry. And the only person I know who can, who can be able to do that for me is Vinny Da Vinci, whom I know, whom I know lives in the, uh, wherever, at the corner. And he happens to be a DJ. So now, I have this particular song. I want to give it to him because I want to be popular. I want to, it's like it's my way of making it to the industry. And then Vinny says to me, this is going to be my song featuring you. Because I want to make it to the industry, I'm going to say yes. I, I get it. I mean, you know, a, a, a lot of the guys out there are hungry. Exactly. Yes. I so, mean, once you're so hungry, how, yes. Yeah. So, uh, what can you then? What can you? How can you advise me? As much as I'm desperate to make it into the industry, and Vinita Vinci, whom the, is the only person I know, is playing dirty. In that particular, w w what do I do as an artist who wants to make it? Yeah, like I said, I mean, um, because Zakes is hungry, he wants to get into the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it should start with me to play a clean game with you in the first place. But I know that it doesn't happen like that. I know. I know Zakes is going to say, hey, bro, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. A lot of the DJs are not clean, but it has to start with us. I mean, I, I gotta play clean with you, like, and tell you that, Zakes, it doesn't work like that. It should happen like one, two, not three, four, because that. I mean, that's how all this thing, this game is gonna get dirty. It's gonna get dirtier and dirtier. I mean, we had a conversation earlier on where you were saying. People need to stand up and take care of this industry because it's gonna disappear. And once it disappears, what happens to us? You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, so I think it's gonna start with you because we said we've got a passion for this game. We love it so much. We don't want it to disappear. Let's all play clean and be clear with everybody. I mean, when you're speaking to any youngster who's hungry out there, Advise him as a bigger, you know, if you think, if, if, because you're older and you've been in the game for too long, advise him on how to go about it, you know. I know, Zixi, you're trying to educate them, and I, I get it, I'm, I'm with you, but it's got to start with us, you know what I mean? Zix, I just want to let you know that you're a brilliant singer. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Um, Let's do this. Let's do this party, man. Thank you so much. Thank you to Bridges for Music for having you guys out here. Thank you all for coming through. Stick around. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we do making them. Remember, if you'd like to attend any of these workshops live, enroll in any of our upcoming programs. To support the work we do, 
You can find more information on bridgesformusic.org. Please don't forget to subscribe as we'll be bringing new inspiring conversations soon.